Welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 27. I am your host, Chris Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. It's good to be back. Good to be talking hockey. Full swing. We're half, more than halfway down the playoffs here. We're getting towards the end of the playoffs. I mean, it's sad, but it's something that we got to do, right? We got to, all good things come to an end. Uh, there's still lots of hockey and everything going on. I was watching Dallas, Colorado tonight. It's tonight where I am. By the time I finish, it's going to be tomorrow. But, I mean, that was a good game. That was a good game for Colorado, I guess. If you're a Dallas Stars fan, maybe not. But it's nice to see Colorado turning this into a series. If you would have told me Michael Hutchinson would have been the goalie to lead this team and try to help them overcome a 3-1 deficit i would have said okay <laughs> like i didn't think that was going to happen grubauer goes down with an injury you know frank Coos has been terrible and then hutchison just walks in and says hold my beer i got this i got this so it's good to be watching that there's a couple of more series that have to go on boston's been eliminated so that makes me happy um, so many great things going on since the last time we spoke specifically. Um, I mean, there's some, some news, I guess, came out the NHL, you know, for some teams it's over, right? There's no hunt for the cup. Um, so Montreal and St. Louis got down to some business today. That's right. So if you live under a rock, the Montreal Canadiens acquired goaltender Jake Allen from the St. Louis Blues. In exchange for a third round and a seventh round pick. St. Louis also sent their seventh round pick over to Montreal. So they kind of swapped, if I'm not mistaken, those picks. Montreal gave them this year's pick. 2020 seventh round. St. Louis gives them the seventh round 2022. And Montreal gives them a third round pick um, from this year. So first I'm going to break down that. We're going to take about, you know, to talk a little bit about how that goes on and whatnot. My original thought when i heard this right was okay this is good right this is this is really good if you are a montreal Canadiens fan specifically if you're carry price because there's no question that montreal needed a backup goalie they didn't have i mean that we can all agree that the keith kincaid experiment did not work in montreal it did not work they struggled for so long to find a good backup goalie, someone who can play. And, I mean, they went through Lindgren. They went through Primo. Like, they didn't get any support from their backup goalies, which in fault forces you to play Carey Price a ton. And we know the importance of backup goalies, okay? I mean, take this these playoffs now, okay? Look at Vegas, with Robin Leonard, backup, quote-unquote, if you want to call it that, okay? The importance of that. Look at the Islanders, Varlamov and Grice, an excellent tandem. In Boston, Tuka Rask and you know, Yaroslav Halak. Look what a good backup can do. Halak came in. Yeah, they didn't win, but Halak was more than capable of doing it. More than capable. There are, a lot of, there are not as many teams in the NHL who have a true number one guy who starts a ton of games and i think there's a lot of people who live with the old mentality that kind of like marty brodeur who used to play like 70 plus games a year like that's not the case anymore as much as i would love to see a starting goalie play a lot 
That's not the case. Teams no longer want their starting goalies to play 65 games. 60 is probably too much now. They want to keep them in the sweet spot about 55 games. So your backup goalie has to play a ton of hockey as well. And, oh, I forgot, Dallas, right? Anton Hudobin and Ben Bishop. Look how that's worked out. Look at Colorado and the difficulty of not having a good backup. I mean, Frank Cruz, I mean, he should have been better. But anyways, doesn't matter, right? Maybe Tampa Bay is only one of the remaining teams that has a true number one goalie, right? I'll leave Vancouver out of it. I think Jacob Marsham is is good. I think Thatcher Demko can be a good backup. But still, like, I think like Tampa Bay has the true number one goalie. Same thing with Philadelphia. True number one goalie. Outside of that, there's a lot of teams with just, you know, tandems. Goalies who have played in the playoffs a little bit here. So, to me, this makes sense. Now, a lot of people were quick to say, man, Montreal now is paying... $15 million for goalies. Now, I'm going to correct you. First of all, it's 15.6, okay? Because you forgot Charlie Lindgren, who is on a one-way deal, okay? And is a pending UFA at the end of the 2020-2021 season. So not this year, next year. Now, in my mind, okay, this is a typical Mark Bergevin deal. What I mean by that is low risk, high reward. These are the types of deals and players that Bergevin signs. Do they all work out? Absolutely not. They do not all the time work out. There are deals that do work out. Okay. This to me is one of them where it can easily work out. Jake Allen was really good in these playoffs. He was, because Jordan Bennington was an absolute dumpster fire in the playoffs. He came in, he solidified it, he played well, they went back to Bennington, they lost. That was that, right? I if, if, if you play fantasy hockey, I know for me, man, I was waiting for Jake Allen to come out, like, for years now. For years, and he was never quite able to just seize that spot you know, Bennington showed up, took the job, and that and that was it. So I think Jake Allen now, we can all agree, is a backup goalie. I think he's agreed to it as well. Now, he's 30 years old, by the way. I thought Jake Allen was like 24, but no, he's 30 years old. So I think he, he kind of knows what's happening here. I think he's settled into his role as a backup goalie in St. Louis, and now he's coming to Montreal. And he knows who the starting goalie is. He knows. But if you accept your role, right? Price has made it clear, right? He said it before. Like, he doesn't want to mentor a kid and stuff. Like, he's still here to win and do his stuff. So you need a backup goalie with some experience, but somebody who can get the job done. Like, Carey Price played too much hockey. and You didn't get your backup goalies. You know, they, they didn't do the job. I think they got, like, five wins from their backup goalies, none of them coming in regulation. That's not good. Do I think Charlie Lindgren can do the job? I mean, maybe. But so far, that hasn't worked out. Okay? And I obviously don't want Caden Prim Primo and Michael McNevin to be the backup. Right? I don't want that. I don't. Because if you want to find out what these kids are made of, and if they can play, well, you got to give them time to play. Okay? 
I don't know where this leaves um, Lindgren, kind of. Right? I just don't, like, I I feel like he's the odd one out. Like, if I was in Hamilton, not in Ham- Hamilton, bro. If I was in Laval, like, I'd want Primo and McNiven to be the goalies who play. Is that going to happen? I don't know. Is Bergman going to move a goalie? I don't know. But I want either Primo or McNevin to play hockey. And you can't have that in the NHL. You don't develop in the NHL. You develop in the AHL. So let these guys play hockey in the AHL. Let them see the puck a lot. They're not going to learn anything by being on the bench. They're not going to face shots. They're not going to do anything. Yes, you learn things at the NHL level. I agree with that. Yes, you get to be around the goalie coach. You get to be around Carey Price. You get to be around a whole... Yes, yes, you do. But there are some good, you know... Joel Bouchard does a lot of good things in Laval. And, I mean, case in point was Jesperi Kotkaniemi, right? I mean, he came back. After his stint from Laval, yes, he had time off and whatnot, but then he came back and he was like he was good. He was a different player. And I like that. So, yes, it's a lot of money. Jake Allen is a UF is is a UFA after next season. So your his four point three five million dollars is on the books for one year. The third round pick that they gave up was the pick that they got for Ilya Kovalchuk. Right? That's the pick that's going. So it's not even their pick. It's Washington's pick. And let's not forget, Montreal got Ilya Kovalchuk for nothing. They just signed him. They just gave him some money. They traded him away. They held on to $350,000 to make the deal work. And that's it. So in reality, the Montreal Canadiens traded Ilya Kovalchuk for Jake Allen. Now, I mean, look. Is that a deal I do straight up? Knowing now what I, knowing then what I know now, probably, yeah, I would. Like Kovalchuk, yes, I know the, under, you know, he's a good player and everything. I know he's getting a little older. He had some success in Montreal as well. Just, I like the move. And I get that it's money spent. Montreal has the cap space to get this deal done. Let's let's understand that. They added four and a half million dollars, right? They still have four and a half million dollars left. So the flexibility of having that cap space allows you to make this deal. St. Louis needed to move money. Let's be honest. Do I think it was the best idea to trade Jake Allen? Probably not, especially not after the season Bennington had, right? Like, the playoffs is, you know, one thing, sample size and the bubble and everything. Maybe, but in general, what I saw from Bennington this year versus, I mean, last year, when everybody knew that wasn't sustainable. But to move away, to move a goalie out after what you just saw, like they had to make a choice. And their choice was, look, we need money because we need to find a way to sign Alex Petrangelo. Whether that happens or not is irrelevant, but at least they freed up some money to make that happen. And a lot of people are saying, yeah, but Montreal kind of took away, took a, you know, took St. Louis off a problem. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They absolutely did. St. Louis had a problem. Montreal said, hey, yeah, I'll take him. They said, yeah, but you trade a third round pick. Yeah, the 
pick's not even mine. Montreal's a ton of picks. They have a ton of picks. Okay, I'm going to count them for you. This season, this draft, 2020, okay? They have one pick in the first round. They have three in the second. Now they have one in the third, okay? They would have had six in the first three rounds. Now they have five, okay? They have three in the fourth round, two in the fifth, one in the sixth, one in the seventh. If my math is correct, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. You have 12 picks in the upcoming draft. I don't expect Bergevin to make 12 picks. Or I don't expect his scouting department to say we're going to make 12 selections at the 2020 draft. I think there's more coming here. I really do. I don't think he's going to, I don't think Montreal drafts three times in the second round. I don't think they draft three times in the fourth round either. But these are picks that you can use. And a lot of teams now, their most important thing is moving money. They We don't move players for players anymore. You're, you're not going to see a lot of deals like, you know, Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. The one-for-one one deal. The one that sticks out to me the most. Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson. Remember that? Just two players. One-for-one. One, straight up. That's all I want. One going this way. One going. You're not going to have a lot of that anymore. You're going to have deals like this where teams need to find flexibility under the cap. So you're trading a player, take his money, give me a pick in return instead. I want an asset that costs me nothing against the book. That's what teams are doing. That's what St. Louis had to do. Montreal gets their backup goalie. That's what they needed. Did they maybe overpay for it in some way? Maybe. I mean, we can agree to disagree there if you want, but what they needed to do was get a backup goalie for Carey Price, and they found it. They found a guy, right? He's 30. He's not... 23, 24, looking for a starting job. He knows what his role is. He knows how it's going to work. He's coming into the organization. He's already played in Montreal, by the way. Montreal had a junior team way back when. And uh, yeah, so he's, I mean, he's already familiar with the city, which is nice. But all that aside, he's, he, he's coming here to fill a specific role. And I think he can do it. Or at least give Carey Price the rest that he needs. He's 33 years old, Kerry, okay? He's not 20. So you can't have him playing 65 games a year, regardless of how much money you want to say that he makes. Yeah, I know how much he makes. Everybody knows how much he makes. Has he earned his money? Damn right he has. I know Montreal has scoring issues, right? Somebody pointed it out. Said, yeah, but Jake Allen makes $4.3 million. That's the third highest salary of all the forwards. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, what? So what? So what? How teams decide to spend their money. I would much rather spend money on the back end, goalies, defensemen, than forwards. Montreal has some really friendly contracts up front, right? Brendan Gallagher is at 3.75 for this year. Same thing for next year. He becomes a UFA after that. So there's some things that could, you know, going on. Max Domi becomes a U, uh, is, is an RFA. You know, we'll leave that aside. Domi fired, by the way, it's, it's a segue there. Domi fired his agent, uh, Pat Brisson, and is now being represented by uh, same guys. I forget, I forget his name now. Oh man, it's the same uh, agent as Mitch Marner. I know this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google it because this is gonna, 
This is going to bother me. Darren Ferris. There we go. That's the name I was looking for. So they both have the same agent, which is important, which is good. But yeah, you have some deals. Like I said, yes, they need scoring. And Montreal, look, Montreal can find the scoring that they need, but it's going to come by committee. Montreal does not have a pure goal scorer, right? You're going to need guys that, I mean, you're going to need guys like Jonathan Drouin to do what they do. You're going to need guys like Thomas Tatar to score goals, right? Max Domi had a down season. I think he can tell you that he needs to be better, right? You need a commitment from all forwards to get it done. You you get Nick Suzuki, who's one year older. You get Jesperi Kakanyemi, who's one year older as well. There's, there's players that are there who can do the job. But again, you're not going to find quality a quality goal scoring player at eight million dollars. Even if you didn't spend it that money, you're not going to find it at eight mil. And I mean, we've seen some terrible contracts handed out on quote unquote July first, right? Free agency. So if Bergevin stays away from those deals, fine. That's good enough for me. You want to go out and solidify a position that's needed because Montreal Canadiens go as far as Carey Price goes. So you got to make sure this guy is as healthy as possible. You take as much workload off him as possible. You get him the rest that's needed. I don't know who said this. It was it was one of the athletic writers, but the title of his article was like something about having a luxury car but not doing the maintenance for it. And then that car kind of starts to struggle a little bit. So now the Montreal Canadiens decide to do the maintenance on the luxury car, right? They, in, I.e. being, they, they, they went out to get a backup goalie to support Carey Price to make sure that he's in the best you know, position to succeed. So me, I'm all for it. If you can keep Carey Price healthy, if you can keep him in good form, I am all for this. I love it. I like the deal. Again, Low risk, high reward. There's been some other bad contracts and trades that Bergevin has made. To me, this isn't one of them. Worst comes to worst, okay? Let's say next season, Montreal, not in the playoff picture. They suck. I don't know. Something happens to Price. He gets hurt. Team doesn't do well. I don't know. Whatever. They suck. You can trade him. You can trade him. You can trade a rental goalie. You can go back, collect your third round pick. You can maybe upgrade that pick, get a second round pick, depending on how Allen plays. You can retain some money. He's a UFA. Let's say you trade him because you're out of a playoff spot. You get a third round pick. What did it cost you? Nothing. Cost you salary that Jeff Molson paid anyways. That's it. That's why I like this deal. That's why I think it works. Overall, I'm super happy about it. That's that. Let me, uh, there we go. It's not beer. I know some people think it's that. It's not beer. It's uh, 7-Up. I enjoy my 7-Up. Ah, frosty. All right. So now that it's that, I'm going to talk about something that I've been, I've been thinking about. I've been listening about. Wasn't sure how I wanted to do about this, but I was going to do it anyways. It does not revolve around sports either. It does not revolve around hockey. So if you are not here 
for that conversation. If you are not here and you only listen because you want sports and that's it, you can tune out as of now. I'll, I'll be ready to join you in episode 28. If you do want to stick around, which I encourage you to do, by all means, grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and let's have a conversation. So I'm going to spend the next part of this podcast, right, talking about race, specifically racism and systemic racism, because it's hard to avoid. And I know people want to avoid the conversation, specifically white people. Like, we don't like to talk about this. We don't want to talk about it. Or we think we know how to talk about it. And the reality is that it's not. So the reason I wasn't sure how is because I want, like I said, I let things simmer. And then I decide, I look at things and I say, okay, how does this make me feel? And this all stems from the shooting in Kenosha, right? Specifically, the 17-year-old kid basically walking with an assault rifle on his body, trips, falls, shoots two people, kills them, gets up, walks towards police. Nothing happens. But man in his car, right? Man is outside. Police show up to a call. Gets in his car. The police fire seven bullets into his back. And I mean... It's hard. I watched the video and it's tough, right? Because you see, to me, I can never understand what it's like to be in a position to fear for my life every time I encounter a police officer. Have I encountered police officers during my lifetime? Absolutely. I was a young kid driving a car. Apparently that makes me suspicious, but I'm white. But I'm in in any of those cases when police officers just pull me over and ask me for license and registration and insurance, I never feared for my life. I never did. I never felt like they were going to pull a gun on me. Not because, and again, maybe because I'm Canadian, maybe because I'm white. So I don't know what it's like. I do know this. There are a lot of African-American men and women dying in encounters with white police officers. There's a lot of them. I know there, I know there are cases of police officers dying and being shot by criminals and stuff like that. I know that. I understand that. It's, I'm, I'm not saying it's perfect both ways. But I do believe that, first of all, racism in America has, like, there's a good chance that your grandparents are racist, right? Like, you know that joke about racist grandma and grandpa? Like, it's not a joke because, like, that's, like, they lived through that, man. Like, segregation and, you know, like, cotton farms and, you know, owning slaves. Like, this is real to them. This happened in their lifetime. So it's not that old. And we now understand that a lot of those things before, it, like, is not okay. We know slavery is not okay. 
So there's things we got to do, but the mentality of it and the hate towards African-American people is still very, very prominent. And it is, and you can't blame it. It's been less than 100 years. It's going to take many, many years, hundreds of years probably to cure this. We should, I mean, it sucks, but that's, that's how long it's going to take. And again, I know a lot of people are trying to break down this, you know, the, the man who got shot and right. Cause a lot of people are like, okay, but yeah, but he's a criminal. And I, I like when people bring down victims man by saying yeah but he was a criminal or yeah he was going back in his car you don't know if he's going to get a weapon you don't know if he's going to hurt the police officer i know you don't know here's what i do know even if he's a criminal even if he tries to let's say worst case scenario attack the police officer does he deserve to die like that's the part that kind of catches me off guard when people say this like people always say oh but he should just follow the law i say okay in a perfect society that's how it goes right you follow the law and everything goes well but even if you don't does that mean the punishment is death like think about it like to me the worst people on the planet are pedophiles and even they get due process they go to you know before a jury, before a judge, for a courtroom, and then they get sentenced. They don't just get shot seven times in the back. Like, if anybody deserves to be shot seven times in the back, this is definitely a fucking pedophile. So, again, even if he's a criminal, regardless of what, which, which to me makes no difference, whether he's criminal or not, whether he followed the law or not, the end result should not be death. That's not what it should be. That's the part I have the hard time understanding. Jacob Blake should have never died in that encounter. Just like George Floyd shouldn't have. Which again, people are saying, you know, George Floyd's a criminal, this and that. He followed the law. Police had him down. He still died. So even when you follow the law, you die. You don't, you die. You do, you die. That's a tough one, man. That's tough. And like I said, I don't know what that's like. I don't fear for my life when I'm in front of a police officer. Police officers are there to serve and protect. There's people dying. A lot of them. Are all police officers bad? No. No, they're not. But this definitely has to be a change to the system. I 100% support defunding the police. I do. That doesn't mean giving them less resources. People don't like defund the police because that thinks you're taking the police away. It's going to make, you know, where you live more dangerous. That's not it. Okay. Think of it this way. Let me put in a term maybe other people say. Think of it as asset allocation. Think about it as a pie. Okay? You can't make it bigger. You can't make it smaller. But the way you divide that pie is important. 
defunding the police means taking some of those funds and allocating it somewhere else. Using your resources in a much better strategic way. If you're an investor, portfolio diversification. That's what it is. Take the money you have in your portfolio and diversify it around. When you're in trouble, you call the police. When you're depressed and you think about killing yourself, you call the police. 911 is the place and they dispatch from there. If you give money to different groups, different organizations, it's tough being a police officer, man. I 100% know that. I have a friend who is. It's not easy, man. These people risk their lives. It's tough. Which is why they should have the most extensive training possible. But they can't be police officers, doctors, psychologists. They can't be all that at once. They can't. So you have to take things, certain things away from them. You have to balance it out. Have different groups. You have to do something about that. And to me, the point where it ties in here a little bit about sports and why I decided to say, you know what, I'm going to say something. Because then it was a bold statement by the NBA to say, or by the NBA players, who then basically said, well, we're not going to play, right? The Milwaukee Bucks basically said, fuck it, we're not playing. They didn't protest. They went on strike, right? A protest on a strike is different. Some people say boycott. Boycott. That was the rough term. Boycott is not what it is. They didn't take their money and go somewhere else. They're still NBA players, right? And the players did something, right? You saw MLS do some things as well. Baseball did as well. Tennis did. The only league that did nothing on opening night was the NHL. I'm sitting there going, well, to the shock of nobody. The NHL did have, they did have a statement and a nice little video. And I'm sitting there going, I said, man, like the NHL just doesn't get it, do they? The NHL to me is the worst league when it comes to diversity and race. It is a white man's club. And... I mean, first of all, you can't expect the league to do anything. A, all the major leagues in North America, right, are for-profit businesses. They're rich owners, predominantly white. And to them, their sports team is about making money. It's a business. And that's fine. That's fine. Their team is a business. I'm not going to take that away from them. In the NBA, the most, you know, I mean, it's a predominantly black league with a lot of black superstars. So if they don't want to do something, the NBA players get up and say, we're not doing it. Like the NBA PA to me is probably the strongest players association out there. Like they don't give two shits, man. NBA players are like, I want to play with this guy and you're going to trade me here. And teams are like, okay, we'll do that. Right, Kawhi's like, I want to play with Paul George. Okay, Oklahoma City's trading Paul George to the Clippers, apparently. Yeah, I know I signed a deal here, but now I want to go play with him instead and make it happen. 
Okay. Like, the NHL doesn't have that. But the NHL also doesn't have a predominantly black superstar. First one that comes to mind is P.K. Subban. It's one of the only ones that comes to mind, to be honest. There's not that many. Bring it even closer. May, I mean, I'll I'll throw in Evander Kane there, but I don't you know I'm not I don't consider him a superstar. In these playoffs, how many African American players are left? What a couple? Ryan Reeves, Belmar. It's not many, and they're not top players on their team, right? Fourth line guys. So it's no surprise that the NHL did nothing because these players felt like they didn't have a voice to stand up and say, man, I'm not doing this. They didn't have the support of their organization. Yes, the next day they sat down and they talked and they did postpone games. Why did they do that? Because the Hockey Diversity Alliance, right, founded by black NHL players, led by right Evander Kane who's a co-head of it with Akeem Aliyu Evander Kane and the organization sent a letter to the NHL asking them to postpone the games coming up the very next day think about this for a second not the players who are still left in the playoffs like in the NBA bubble I mean the players were thinking about ending the playoffs saying no man we're done They talked about it. Here, a completely different organization, led by, obviously, NHL players, sends a letter to the NHL asking them to do it. You can't expect leagues to tackle diversity and race issues, man. We got to stop thinking that the NBA, MLB, NHL, NFL, these leagues don't give two shits about that crap. And it's not their fault, man. That's not what they're there for, right? A nonprofit organization that cares about systemic racism, that's one thing. A large multinational, you know, a large organization, a league, a billion dollar industry, like look. That's not their problem. It's more of a problem in the NBA, it's more of a problem in MLB. Because these players are superstars and they need them. In the NHL, leagues don't care. We've seen this before, man. We've seen the hockey is for everyone. And then the bullshit that comes out. Like, I know it feels like a long time ago. But remember the racial slurs that were coming out? And all the garbage with you know that Akeem Aliyu had to face? And Peter's being fired because of his racial... Like, I know that feels like it was a long time ago because fucking 2020 and COVID has been miserable. But it wasn't that long. The NHL is good at just putting a statement. Every team has a statement. Every guy gets their... Every team gets their PR guy to write something down, post it, and say, look, we give a shit. Which in reality, they don't, but... Yeah, look, I got to look good. So, all right, we'll take your garbage that you put out 
and we'll call it trying, right? Just like a little kid, you give him a, you know, you take out a page out of a coloring book, you tell him to color it, he doesn't color inside the lines, he scribbles everywhere, and you still take the picture, and you put it up on the fridge, it's effort, yay. My kid is, you know, two years old, he could put a crayon on paper and draw around the lines, yay, good for him. I'm proud of you. Here's a participation medal. We're giving large leagues participation medals. But you can't ask them for more than that. That's not their goal. You can pressure them into doing it, which is what players do. Because players are the ones who care, right? Like, I was reading some of the stories of some of the Milwaukee Buck players who have had to deal with police and the same bullshit that regular people have to deal with. Like, this is personal for them. NHL players, is not personal. There's no player that understands that. Unless you're an African-American player. But it's not guys like Ryan Reeves and Pierre-Eric Belmar and, you know, Matt Dumba. These aren't the guys who are going to change it by themselves. The NHL doesn't have enough. They don't have enough African-American players to make the change that's needed. To put the pressure on the league to do something. They postponed games. That's what they did. The league said, fine, we'll do it. But now you're late and you're taking some heat. And probably somebody said, all right, well, let's do this. Our statement didn't work, damn it. I don't blame leagues because they don't know better. They're no different than a dog that pees inside on the carpet. They they don't know better. They don't. They have no idea. Gary Bettman doesn't understand it. Bill Daly doesn't understand it. The PA doesn't get it either. That's not what their interest is in. They can give you all the statements that they want. Don't get yourself confused. They don't care. The players do. And the Hockey Diversity Alliance is a good step forward. It's a good way to help grow the game of hockey. And allow different types of people to get involved. Because like I said, hockey is a white man sport. A white man sport. Like we can barely, like female hockey can barely take off. That's a whole other issue. (laughs) Hockey is a white man sport. It's an old boys club. It sucks at times. And that needs to change. So I'm proud of the Hockey Diversity Alliance for sticking up and saying something and putting some pressure on the NHL who wasn't going to do it themselves. I guarantee you my life, if they would have said nothing, the league would have done nothing because nobody challenged it. Now they did. Right? Players sent out something. You imagine players sent out something and the league says, no, 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 we're not doing that. Come on, you look like garbage. You can't do that. But it sucks that the players inside the bubble didn't have the support from their team to do it. Now, you know that's the case because they still played. For Milwaukee, it was totally different. I forget the team. What was it, Orlando? I don't think it was Orlando. Somebody was on the court, whoever the Bucks were playing at that point. Like that team was out for warm-up, and Milwaukee just didn't show up. And then they were told that they weren't coming out. They weren't playing. And the visiting team went back in, and that was it. 
And I know there are NBA owners who are like, God damn it, not again. Because again, they run a business. There's definitely change that needs to come. Inside the hockey world, absolutely. And outside the hockey world, man. Because like I said, there's too many cases of African-American men and women getting shot by police for for no not for no reason but the punishment doesn't really fit whatever crime they were doing if that's how you want to see it seven shots in the back is a lot i think we can all agree on that you can shoot one two right shoot a leg shoot an arm seven in the back man is a lot it's probably six too many And now there's violence going on and that violence leads to a 17-year-old kid who thinks, I mean, first of all, 17-year-old with an AR, right? Which is pretty, I mean, that's pretty something. And regardless of what, what he believes in and whatnot, I know he supports the police and, I mean, he's allowed to have his beliefs and everything. But this kid's life is ruined now because I would throw him in prison. Because you cross state lines, you're carrying an assault rifle, and you think it's okay to take it upon yourself to play police. This is what happens now. People people have no problem standing in front of businesses, objects that don't move, that don't have a heart, that don't have a soul, and protect them. But they're not willing to stand in front of people who are being racially profiled and stand up in front of them and say hey we got you in this we're going to protect you instead we're going to stop protecting buildings that have insurance that get paid out if you break the window it gets fixed and we're going to start protecting lives because you can't bring back a dead body this kid felt it was more important to cross state lines and stand in front of buildings with his gun and to protect it that's his need that's what he felt And we can go through all types of different conversations about that. That's not what we're going to do here, okay? Second Amendment, your rights to bear arms and stuff like that. Like, man, we could go on forever. Like, what's a 17-year-old doing with an assault rifle? The kid can't vote. He can't drink. He can't buy cigarettes. But he's got an assault rifle with him. Walking down his main street. And he's end up killing two people. Same thing for him. He doesn't know better. He's 17. What does he know, right? People calling him a hero. He's not a hero. He's a failed life now. He failed. He thought he was doing something good, which in the end he didn't. He took two lives. Whether you agree with the looting, I mean, look, I support the protesters, that's for sure. Is is the looting great? Not really. But that's what you get when the tension is there. That's what you get when the tension is so high. That's what you get in places like Portland where the tension is just it's boiled over. Just like civil wars and stuff. We can do better as a society. A lot of us choose not to. 
a lot of us think racism is political. It's not. It's not political. Just as sports isn't political, right? A lot of people saying they just want to watch hockey and they don't want politics, man. It's, come on. You may not even like this part. I guarantee you there's at least one person who's turned out, who's tuned out and says, no, man, I'm not listening to this. A lot of people turn to sports as a way to escape the world. But African-American people don't have that escape. They don't have an escape from their life. Which is why we have to talk about it. Which is why we got to do our part and say something. Which is why we have to have uncomfortable conversations. Which is why we have to do our part and help end systemic racism. Because it exists. and We know it does. Nobody says it doesn't. There are a lot of racist people around. And it started way before Donald Trump as well, right? Like this isn't his it's not his fault completely. Like he's made it a lot worse. Don't get me wrong. He is part of the problem, and he didn't create it. He's amplified it. He's made it worse, that's for sure. But we as a society can do so much more if we choose to do more. Right now we've chosen to do nothing. Somebody else is gonna die at the hands of police. Then we're going to keep having these nice messages that the NHL is going to put on the Jumbotron. We're going to keep feeling sorry. More lives are going to be destroyed. More families torn apart. But hey, at least we have a nice message on a Jumbotron, right? That's At least that's what we got. That's the part that sucks. That's the part where I feel like we can do a lot more to end racism. It doesn't like, it's just hard. It's hard for me to understand because I don't live that life. I don't live in the fear of being shot by police because I'm white. Just like this 17-year-old kid didn't fear he was going to get shot by police. He walked right by them. He wasn't a threat to them. The guy getting in his car was. But the kid with a rifle strapped to his body, that's not a problem. He's not police. Obviously, he's not. But he's walking towards you. He's got his hands up. And you say he's not a threat. The automatic rifle on his body that is meant to kill and is meant to do it quickly is not an immediate danger to police, though. Why? Because he's white, which is the only reason. It's not, it's not nothing to do with anything else. I know that, you know that. The guy next to you or the woman next to you knows it as well. It's because he was white. And that's a privilege. Being white is a privilege. It sucks that it is like that, but I understand that. I know that I'm privileged to be white. I'm privileged in a lot of ways because I'm not black. I'll never fear being shot by a police officer when being pulled over. Because they want to check my license. I never had to worry. Because I'm white. Like I said, regardless of what you believe. I mean, racism isn't political. Politics end up ruining a whole lot of things in life. And you may think it's ruined sports. 
But in, in, in terms, we cannot ask leagues to just stick to doing sports. You can't say stick to sports, stick to hockey, stick to... You, you can't do that, man. You can't do that. That's part of the reason why we're here. It's because we don't say anything. We don't do anything. We don't have conversations with people. It's important to have them. Just like I'm doing now with people who may not want to listen. And if you don't want to listen, that's fine too, by the way. Eh? Like I'm not going to waste, never waste your time with someone who doesn't want to listen, man. To the people who are just like, stick to sports, man. Okay, fine. That's okay, good. Like go play in the corner. Okay, pat them on the head and let them go. I don't waste my time talking to people who don't want to listen. You don't want to listen. You don't want to listen, man. I can't force you to learn. I can't force you to change. I'm not going to do it either. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about why it's right or why it's wrong. Like, you don't want to do it, you don't do it. I'm going to spend my time instead having meaningful conversations with people who do want to have conversations about it. I'm going to focus on people who do want to learn, not people who don't, which is true for any cause that you do in life. There are people who do not support what you say or what you believe in, and that's okay. You don't have to convince them all. In a perfect world, you could. But it's not a perfect world, so you can't. So focus on people who do want to listen. There are people who do want to listen and who, who honestly want to be better. Focus on those people. Those people are important, not the people who don't care. Those people are irrelevant. Let them live their lives. They're doing it wrong. They're going to find groups of people as well who don't care. You can't change everybody, man. So focus on people who do want to change. Focus on people who do want to learn. Focus on having conversations. We need to have conversations. We can't just stick to sports. I read it somewhere. I I forgot to tweet. Someone said sports is the reward for a functioning society. These athletes are people first. Nobody tells you to stick to your job, whatever you do in real life. Nobody says, hey, stick to flipping burgers. Stick to, no, nobody does. So why do we tell people to stick to sports? These, yes, they're athletes, but they're humans first. If you don't like it, man, that's fine. You're going to run out of space. You're going to run out of things to watch, though. Every second post is somebody, oh, I'm done with the NHL. I'm done with this. Look at Dallas, apparently. People done buying season tickets. Leave, man. Leave. By all means, leave. You don't need to announce your exit, man. Quite frankly, most people don't even care. Most people won't even notice. That doesn't bother me. I'd much rather talk about it because maybe somebody says, yeah, you know what? Maybe I want to learn more. Maybe I want to better myself and I want to better understand what's going on. And maybe I'll find a way to be part of the solution rather than a problem. That's why we have conversations so we can learn to be part of the solution. I want to be part of the solution. I have to be part of the solution. I have to stand up with other people so we can do something. So we can live in a world where we're not worried about the color of your skin. Where black men and women don't have to fear being shot by the police. 
or being choked or whatever else they do. That's the world I want to live in. Racial inequality has been going on way before I was born. It's still going on. It may go on my entire lifetime. But we should do everything possible to end it and have conversations. Whether you like it or not, man. And we need to stay as far away from the stick to sports shit that we keep telling people to do. And the ignorance behind it. People who are racist are just, they lack the education. That's all it is. No one's born racist. You learn to be racist. Anything you learn, you can unlearn. Racism is a lear- is, is, is a learnt trait. You're not born a racist. This kid who felt the need to defend a business and carry an assault rifle, he didn't wait. He wasn't born like that. He was taught. We can unteach that stuff. If we live in a world where people are equal, regardless of their skin color or their gender, you don't have to worry about protecting businesses and looting going on. You don't have to worry about that stuff. You can fix all that by just being nice to people and treating them fairly and not shooting them seven times in the back regardless of whether you think they're innocent or not. Like I said, him, whether he's, whether, you know, whether Blake was a criminal or not makes no difference. He doesn't deserve to be shot seven times in the back. Doesn't deserve it. If the worst people in the world can get a process in court, I think the I think we can agree on that. Not being shot outside your car is feasible. That's the conversation we have to have. If you made it this far, congratulations. Thank you for sticking around. If you made it this far and you don't like it and you don't want to listen to it, that's fine too, man. I'm cool with it. Maybe you may not listen to this podcast ever again. And I'm okay with that, man. We're we're on different levels. That's it. You have your opinion. I have mine. We don't have to agree on everything. And if you come around one day and you want to be better, I promise we'll welcome you. Anybody who can change their mind and wants to learn and wants to be better, do it, man. And if you're listening to this, you're saying, man, how can I help? Listen. Educate yourself. Are you part of the solution? Are you part of the problem? Talk to somebody who deals with racism every day. Ask them what you can do. Ask them how we can be better. Think of something you can do every day to change that. There's something you can do. You know you can do it. Maybe you're not doing it yet. Ask yourself what you can do different starting tomorrow. Actually, don't even wait till tomorrow. Start now. (laughs) Why wait for tomorrow? Start right now. (laughs) Ask yourself what you can do. We can be better. We, We absolutely can, but it takes everybody working together. Right now, we're not doing that. There's an entire country dealing with a pandemic. People breaking stuff. Tensions are high. The president's worried about the stock market. 
it's it's not an easy road, but I mean, man, we can do a whole lot better than whatever we're doing now. So I encourage you to reach out, learn, try to become a better human being. We can all be better. Take some work. And the quicker we get to being better human beings, the quicker you'll get back to your sports. Just your sports. Nothing else. Right? Because you don't want politics mixed in your sport. But racism isn't about politics. So it gets a pass. Racism and politics aren't together. People make it together. But it's not. Nobody deserves to be treated unfairly due to their race. That's what we need to change. We need to make it better. This has been a tough conversation to have. But it's necessary. And we need to keep doing it every single day. So shout out to Hockey Diversity Alliance doing what they did shout out to evander kane for challenging the nhl to be better i hope that other leagues challenge themselves to be better they don't wait for their players to step up they step up first they set the example that's what they should be doing that's what's the important part yeah that wraps up uh that wraps up the podcast today Again, if you've made it this far, thank you. Thank you for wanting to be at least at least listen and be part of the conversation. It means a lot. As always, okay, you can follow me on Twitter at FuzzyChris91. Make sure you do that. Okay, you can follow the podcast directly on Twitter at Slapshot Podcast. Okay, you can find the podcast on Spotify. You can find it on Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, fansfix.com. You can find it everywhere. Make sure you hit the subscribe. Make sure you hit the like button. Share this with your friends. Even the non-hockey friends. If you know maybe somebody would like to listen to this, do it, man. Share it with your people. As always, thank you so much. Keep enjoying hockey, right? There's still playoff hockey going on. Enjoy that. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Social distance. Wear your mask. And we will talk to each other soon again. Bye-bye.